Great. It's a a privilege as always to open up God's Word for us today. And you mentioned at the beginning of the service that we are working our way through a series called Heartbeats. And we're thinking about our key values here at CBC. What are the things that that characterise us as a church? I have spoken on these values before, all in one go. But what we wanted to do was to take four weeks to look at each of our values in turn and dig into them in a bit more detail and work out what does that mean for us? And certainly, what does that mean for us now at the stage we currently are? So these are our four values that we're looking at over four weeks. Uh, We're committed. They're all all commitments. We are committed to the lost, the last and the least. We have a commitment to being missionally shaped, a commitment to unity and partnership and a commitment to being family together. And uh, Andy spoke last week on our commitment to the lost, the last and the least. And we're thinking today about what it means to be missionally shaped We've called the series Heartbeat because a heartbeat is a sign of life. Our heart beating, I hope your heart is beating today, will show that you are alive and well. But also, when we talk about someone's heartbeat, there's another sense of it, isn't there? You talk about the heartbeat of a person or maybe the heartbeat of an organisation. And it's the thing that makes them tick. The heartbeat is what they really hold to. And so we've called this series Heartbeat because we want to talk about those things that are core to who we are, that we value deeply, and the things that if we practice them, they will show life and health in our community. And I want to do this looking at two short passages today. So do grab your Bible. They will be on the screen, but uh, there are two short passages if you want to look them up and you can flick between them as we look at them. The first one is at the start of Jesus' ministry, Mark chapter 6, as uh, Jesus calls and sends out the 12 disciples. And then we're going to look at another one right at the end where Jesus brings some final words to those disciples. So there's some beginning words and some ending words. So the first passage is Mark chapter 6, uh, 6 to 13. It's on page 1008 in the Bibles in the chairs if you wanted to follow along. Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 6. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. So here's a passage right at the start of Jesus' ministry as he called the 12. And the second, if you flick back a few pages to page 1000, we're going to read from Matthew 28, some words at the end. Verses 16 to 20, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So we read Jesus' instructions to his disciples at the start and at the end. I don't know how many of you can remember your first day in a new job. It can be really daunting, can't it? You arrive at a new place of work, whatever that place is, and you're given basically a whole set of instructions as you begin when you don't really know what you're doing. I don't remember very much about my first day here at CBC 10 years ago, but I do vividly remember being given an enormous bunch of keys. And I was given this big bunch of keys and I was, you know, they showed me, I didn't even know my way around the building, let alone which doors and which keys were to which door and which bit of the building. And being shown new cupboards and, and, and doors and master keys and which one did the front door and so on. And being totally overwhelmed about it, thinking that I would never remember which key was for which. I was also shown how various things worked of course, my computer and my printer. Don't tell Paul Woodfield that after 10 years, I still don't really know how to work the church photocopier at all. In fact, he knows that because he does the photocopying for me all the time. When we hear about Jesus' instructions to his his disciples for this, this new task that he'd given them, it was like first day on a job. They're learning from him. What, Jesus, what do we do when we go out here? We're trying to do your stuff, your ministry to serve you. What do we do? Um, these are the instructions that he gives them for the job in hand. When we talk about a commitment to being missionally shaped, then a part of that, of course, is what that means for us as a church community as a whole. We as a a whole church want to prioritise mission, to commit to being shaped for mission. Our church aim, hopefully if you are a regular, you will have heard us talk about this before, our church aim is for people to commit to and become more like Jesus. And so this is a key value for us because it points to what we hold as truly important, that helping people commit to Jesus and becoming more like Jesus is what is key for us. That will continue to be what we are all about. Now, the way that we share that might change. The strategies and the plans might change. COVID has taught us that. The the landscape now looks so different in so many ways. The methods might change, but the message of the good news of Jesus is timeless and unchanging. And we are called as his followers to share it in whatever way we can. So that's why we want to be shaped for mission as a whole church. That's why we use this building for mission. Things like our Acorns toddler group, our lunch club, we run alpha courses and so on. But it's also why we try to be out in the community being good news as well. Our network of Sunday alternative gatherings, trying to be church community out where people are. Our CAP debt centre, visiting clients as part of that in their homes, partnering with other local churches, with initiatives like work with the homeless and so on. Being missionally shaped has got to be what signifies the gathered collective church of Jesus. But of course, the, the church, this church, is made up of individual disciples. If the church as a whole is to be shaped for mission, then the people who make up the church, you, 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 you and me, have personally got to be shaped for mission. And that's the focus of a couple of thoughts I want to share today. Less about how we as a community are shaped for mission in terms of our church programme. I've talked about that with you quite a lot before. And more about what it means to be personally shaped for mission. 
There's loads of stuff we could learn in these short passages that I've read. But what I want to do is just share a couple of hallmarks of discipleship, as I see that a key here in what Jesus describes personal discipleship to be. Dallas, Will- Dallas Willard says this of discipleship. I am learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live my life if he were me. I think that's a really, really helpful description of what discipleship is. What is my life Jesus embodied? What would it look like? And that's to pray towards and strive towards. Discipleship is learning the way of Jesus. That's what it is when we're disciples of his. Learning his ways. In Mark 6, Jesus calls the 12 to be with him and then he sends them out. When we talk about a commitment to being missionally shaped, what we're talking about is a whole bunch of ordinary people being more like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus and being sent out by him to do Jesus-shaped things in the world around us. Being disciples who then make disciples. I want to mention two principles to flesh out that thought here. And the first is to notice from these passages that disciples are people who are flexible and they hold things lightly. Not just the 12 or the 72 or the disciples 2,000 years ago, the followers of Jesus, you and me. The call is to be disciples who are flexible and to hold things lightly. Part of being a follower of Jesus is to travel light. If we look at this Mark passage, these are Jesus' first instructions. And, you know, they're not, told, they're not given keys or told to work out how to use the photocopy or whatever. What Jesus tells them is really fascinating. He says, basically, he says, go empty-handed. Go empty-handed. Go with nothing. Of all the things that Jesus could have said, what he said was, I want you to travel light as you follow me. Verse 7, calling the twelve to him, He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Be free from stuff that needs carrying. Somehow the freedom that comes from having nothing was an important part of the mission of Jesus somehow travelling light, said something about the message of the kingdom of God that they were preaching. I remember losing my suitcase once at the airport when um, Kevin and I were travelling home from a family wedding in Spain. We were only gone for a few days, but I am a terrible overpacker. Is there anybody else like me in the building? I, I just, I cannot, thank you friends, I cannot travel light. I, basically what I do is I assess the situation, it was going to be really warm, but it might not be. So I basically, I pack for every eventuality, whatever situation I'm going into, whatever the weather, whatever the scenario, whatever we might do or not do and so on. I, I look incredulously at other people with these little tiny cases, little tiny square things. How do you get, how do you get anything of note in there for being away? When we travel, Kevin, we have two suitcases, a um, normal size one for Kevin, an extra large one for me, and it works perfectly well. So we had a lovely time away at this wedding. We got back to Gatwick, got to the luggage carousel, and you know what happens. It goes round and round, and Kevin's case comes round really early, and everybody else's case comes round uh, as we're standing there, and of course, everybody leaves, and we're still standing there, and there's no suitcase. People disappear one by one until we're left alone. 
And um, I'm mildly panicking. You know, we're not going away, we're coming home, but it's still got most of my stuff inside that suitcase. And I have to go and log it as missing and then go home. And I've got to confess to you that as I was driving home, I was thinking two things. First of all, everything nice that I own was in there. Why did I pack so much? And the second thing I was thinking was, why my case and not my husband's? <laughs> Which wasn't particularly nice of me, but he did have hardly anything in there. Travelling light is more difficult for some of us than others. And Jesus seems to be saying here that part of discipleship is a willingness to be incredibly flexible and open-handed for his sake. To be free from the things that might constrain us in order to fulfil his mission. There were some philosophers in the ancient world who travelled around um, begging and trying to teach their people, people their views on the world. And they had a habit of targeting the rich and respectable. And because of that, they weren't very popular. And some people, seeing a pair of Jesus' disciples coming into the village, might have thought they were in the same vein as these philosophers. And that's perhaps why Jesus sends the disciples out empty-handed, so that people would see that there was a lot more to Jesus' disciples than meets the eye. These other philosophers didn't cast out demons. They didn't see people healed. They didn't have power like these Jesus followers did. The disciples weren't to take anything with them in order to show the power of the kingdom of God breaking into the present. And I think that principle is helpful to us when we're thinking about our lives as mission-shaped disciples. Am I willing to hold everything lightly for the sake of following Jesus? Can I hear the call to be open-handed, recognising that everything we do have comes from Jesus anyway? I wonder what that might mean for you and for me as we try to follow Jesus in our frontline place this week and in the weeks to come. To lay our ambitions down, perhaps, at the feet of Jesus and to see if he's got anything to say about them. To be willing to make some changes or to take some risks, to adjust priorities in order to strengthen our relationship with the Lord or to free us up to serve him in some way. To be shaped for mission means travelling light, being a disciple that is flexible and mobile and open-handed. This says, Lord, what, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? I want to be shaped by you for whatever mission you have. The second hallmark is that disciples hear both invitation and challenge. So we're flexible and mobile and hold things lightly. But the second hallmark is that a disciple of Jesus hears both invitation and challenge. Back to Mark 6, verse 7, calling the 12 to him. So notice that, calling the 12 to him. What happened first? Jesus said, come to me. I invite you to be with me. Come and be with me. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Verse 12, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. The disciples hear the call to come and be with Jesus. That's what we should do. Hear his invitation to us. We're called to come and be with him first. We can't live life and be fruitful apart from in him. Think about John 15 when Jesus talks about the vine. Fruitfulness only comes from being in him first. 
Jesus invites us to follow him, to be with him. We learn his values, his way of life. And then out of that relationship comes challenge. But friends, they go together. Jesus doesn't invite us and that's the end of the story. We are invited to be with Jesus for challenge. Both are true. And we're to hear both invitation and challenge. Are we hearing the challenge of the voice of God? Are we being challenged by Jesus? The disciples are sent out, they travel light, but they use this incredible authority they've been given and people repent and are healed. The words of Jesus in our Matthew passage are Jesus' last recorded words. And uh, people's last words are important. If you read a book or watch a film, a great deal of thought is given to the final words of that film or that book. They often reveal a vital truth about the story that you've been engaging with so far or they sum up the mood or the tone of the film or the book um, I find last lines really fascinating does anybody know what film this is from home I'll go home and I'll think of some way to get him back after all tomorrow is another day Gone with the wind. Very good. So that's Phil. What about this book? Oh, this might be a bit trickier. I took her hand in mine and we went out of the ruined place. I saw no shadow of another parting from her. Oh, no one? Jane Eyre, not bad. Not Tess of the D'Urbervilles. Great expectations. Great expectations. He had, a, he had the sense of it in the writing. That's interesting. If these verses that we've read in Matthew 28 are Jesus' last recorded words, then we would do well to sit up and take notice of them. And what Matthew leaves for his readers to digest at the end of the gospel is, is the challenge. Jesus has spent his ministry calling people to follow him. His followers have called other followers. They've been disciples that make disciples to follow Jesus. The invitation to be with him. And here he is at the end with a reminder of the challenge. At the heart of it is a call to go. Jesus' commission, this is how to spend the rest of your lives. Go and be disciples that make other disciples. I want to show you a clip that I've used several times before in different contexts, so it's quite likely that you might have seen it, but it's a good reminder of exactly this point. It basically asks this question, what is discipleship? And discipleship is responding to the invitation of Jesus to follow him and the challenge to go and make disciples. It's really short. Have a little look at this. That's entitled, This is Discipleship. If you want to, to find the link to it, it will be on the sermon section of our website summing up that the heart of the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. That is what we are here for. It is. It is what we are here for. To travel light so that we are shaped for mission, to respond to Jesus' invitation and challenge. And in that, we find the most abundant life, the best kind of life as we seek to follow Jesus. The thing about discipleship is that we are all being discipled by something or someone. It's not like... We're either being discipled by, by Jesus or it's neutral. That's not how it is at all. Our culture is very, very happy to disciple us. We're being discipled all the time. It's just the question is who by? As we scroll endlessly through social media on our phones, we're being discipled. Or as we watch 24-7 news, which makes us 
cynical and despairing. We're being discipled as we work out all the time or spend money going shopping all the time or whatever it might be. Our culture is very happy to disciple us if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to. Now, there's nothing wrong with some of those things in and of themselves, of course. But the question is, who or what is shaping our character and our decisions? Jesus' model for discipleship was be, become, do. This is the pattern that we see in the Gospels. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do the things that Jesus did. That's the pattern. And it's so simple and so helpful. This is the way of abundant life. This is the way to find satisfaction. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do the things that Jesus did. Be with him, respond to his invitation, become like him. Discipleship to Jesus, it's about reordering our heart's desires, committing to and becoming more like him, and then to do what he did and to do what he says. Disciples are not supposed to be just people who store information, who come and sit and, and consume and listen and digest. This is about a way of life. And what we do on Sundays is a part of that. This is supposed to be, we describe it like the half-time team talk that we come and are energised for our lives on our frontline places. This is discipleship, not this, but taking this, being with Jesus, becoming like him, and then going and doing the things that Jesus did. Looking for opportunities on our frontline places sharing stories of our faith, answered prayer, where God's been at work, what he means to us with our friends and our colleagues, serving the poor, praying for the sick, working with integrity in whatever place you find yourself, making life choices that honour Jesus. I think in this post-pandemic season when so much has been disrupted, what Jesus is calling us back to is simple discipleship. Come and be with me, come and learn from me and then do the things that I did and that I'm asking you to do and do it flexibly, being open-handed, traveling light, holding your life lightly. I'm feeling that sense of call back and for our church to be shaped in that way, be with Jesus, become like him and do the things that Jesus did. Please join me in following Jesus, being called back to discipleship again. What I want to do with the rest of our time together, I'm going to invite Rob and the band to come back. And I want to leave us a few minutes to pray and to digest before we sing a couple of songs to close. I've put a couple of takeaway questions to help you. If this is helpful, read it. If not, just close your eyes and pray. But I just want to give us maybe two or three minutes as our next song starts to play, just to, to think, what does this mean for me today? What is God saying to me as an individual today, what does it mean for you to be flexible and hold things lightly as a disciple today? And then what is your response to Jesus' invitation and his challenge today?